This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Really excited to have back across the other way with me is Mr. Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, college football season is nearing NFL season right behind that. It is a great time to have you back with me and to start looking ahead at the top prospects in college football. Yeah, I'm, you know, it's, uh, I've started to do my dig before the college season starts because I want to get an idea of, you know, who these players are, how they win, and where do I think they're going to develop next. So I'm really excited to get in. You know, running backs, one of my favorite positions to scout through. That's what we're going to be going through today. Um, yeah, and it's 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 all the news. There's all the buzz. You can feel it in the air, the NFL training camps, and, um, you know, the fantasy season's around the corner. All your redrafts are going off. So, yeah, it's it's the busy season. That's for sure. Absolutely. And here at Saturday, Sunday, we have finally turned the page away from the 2022 NFL draft, away from those prospects, and have started to now turn the page to the 2023 draft eligible prospects. What you will see over the next handful of episodes or so here at Saturday, Sunday is our positional preview shows for the skill positions, the running backs, the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, and the tight ends to kind of set the stage for the college football season and for the 2023 NFL draft. This is our initial takes. Matt, I have been saying this for years and years. This is to kind of lay the groundwork, get familiar with as many players as possible, dig into some film with the complete understanding that we know how much one year's more of film can dramatically sway. It was this time a year ago that Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell were going to go one, two in the NFL draft. Well, Spencer Rattler never even declared, ended up transferring. Sam Howell falls at around five. So we know things can dramatically change. Uh, but we like to get these takes out early. We like to get a baseline on who these players are. And so we can track some growth and development that we know that they've already shown in college. We expect them to show even more this upcoming year and then down the line, hopefully even more at the NFL level. So we're going to start with the running backs tonight. If you are watching this on YouTube, you're going to see us sharing our screen a little bit to give you a little bit of behind the curtains look at what the profiles right now look like in the scouting notebook, which will be a part of the 2023 premium notebooks that will come out, you know, a little bit closer to Labor Day and the and the, the main weekend of college football season. That will include the 2023 scouting notebook, the rankings notebook, the draft projections notebook. But here, if you're watching on YouTube, you will see a screen share of the scouting report notes that are currently on these players. Remember, this is just the first look. These things will be updated and edited and dramatically modified during the season, after the season, in the pre-draft months. So many guys that we don't talk about initially will be added to the notebook. And so many of these guys we'll be talking about every week on our you know in-season shows as well. So that's just kind of lay the groundwork here for the first of these positional preview shows. So let's get right into it. The first guy that we are going to be talking about tonight is... Devin A. Chain out of Texas A&M. He's a junior. He's five foot nine, and he is one hundred and eighty-five pounds. Now, 
I like this guy a lot when I watched him play last year, and I was excited to dig in a little bit more into his film. And when I walked away, I was extremely, extremely excited to see this player and what he can bring to the table because I really do think that while undersized, right, 5'9", 185, we kind of know, you know, we know that's an issue. But at the same time, what I like about his game is this is a guy who I think has great to elite athleticism. He's got that track background. He's got elite speed, burst, acceleration, explosiveness. He has the lateral quickness to get to the perimeter, be a big play threat. Anytime he touches the ball in any capacity, he has the capability to take it to the house. I think he's got good vision and patience. Could he improve it? For sure. I think he's got very good to great footwork. I see change of direction. I see agility. I see cutting ability and elusiveness to make people miss in the open field. I think he's got good receiving skills, and he could be a weapon in the return game. When I look at him, versatile offensive weapon, committee running back, pass catching running back, there's a lot of ways that he can be utilized. To me, he's got some Chris Johnson, former Tennessee Titans, with that elite speed and burst, and he's got some James Cook to his game. I think the NFL is going to be very intrigued by Devin, by Devin A-Chain, and I'm really excited to see where he goes. I think after RB1 right now, for me, it's kind of open by four or five guys, I think, in the mix. I think A-Chain is in that mix as a guy who could see his stock really rise this year, and NFL teams are going to be very intrigued with him. Jeff, any thoughts uh, on A-Chain and what you like about his game, concerns? Obviously, we know that frame and the size is going to be concerning, but if we take that to the side, is there other things about his game that you're either concerned about or maybe anything additional I didn't bring up that you like about his game? Well, I think unless he can improve on it, maybe even into the 195 pounds, like I think his frame is probably going to limit him unless we see some, you know, kind of slot receiver style, but that doesn't typically, that doesn't work a ton either. Um, Usually we've seen a lot of guys try to do that Saturday to Sunday and, and it doesn't usually end up in a major big role. Um, What I do really like about a chain is, uh, you know, I think he has a lot of upside as a receiver down the field. Uh, you mentioned James Cook. You know, I saw, you know, his ability to win down the field with ball tracking. So I think he he can play and attack multiple levels. He's not just one of those screen sort of flat guys. And I know, you know, you see it on his kick return. Like, I know he's got that track background, that track speed. Um, I do want to see it more consistently so I was watching the Kent State game and he did kind of fail to pull away from some linebackers like around the corner there. So it's really about translating that into play speed. And I think, you know, part of that's the processing, right? Um, so, you know, and, and just piecing everything together, you know, with both your athleticism and the mental aspect and integrating those two pieces together. Um, so, you know, I really like a chain. I do think... You know, there's some big questions, but he stood out uh, alongside Isaiah Spiller. You know, I think that says something about his capability as a playmaker. And I think the NFL is looking for playmakers. So it'll be really interesting to see if he can turn in a dominant season uh, this year. 
Um, moving on to our next guy here, Rasheen Ali, out of Marshall. He's a redshirt sophomore, six foot, 205. What are your thoughts on Rasheen Ali? Yeah, so now Ali was a guy that I was really off my radar. And listen, here at Saturday, Sunday, we are a small operation, right? So sometimes we lean on some of the best in the business. And Dame Brugler put out, you know, his guys to keep an eye on, you know, from the athletic we, we've had on the show many times. And, and Ali was a guy that, you know, his list kind of brought to my attention. I was like, all right, if he's on Dane's list, I got to get some eyes on him because he's not been a guy that's been talked about much in the Debbie community, if at all, you know, and, and he only is a, a redshirt sophomore. But when I watched his game, I was really, I was really impressed with what I saw from Ali. I think he's a guy that he's got good size at 205. It's good. It's good. I mean, sorry, six feet. He's got good size. Yeah, the frame at 205, it's good enough. It's not like, you know, like he's going to bulldoze over guys, but he's, it's also not small. I think that's fine for today's NFL. But I was really surprised with the athleticism. I would classify it in the good to very good for the athleticism, the speed, the burst, the acceleration. I really liked his footwork. His footwork, he showed agility. He showed vision and cutting ability. He was able to make people miss in the open field. I thought he had above average to good contact balance and play strength to break tackles. And I thought he had very good to great receiving production and skills. This was a guy last year, 46 receptions on top of the 1,400 yards he rushed for, 23 rushing touchdowns, added one in on the ground. This guy was a massive part of the Marshall offense last year. And I think he's a guy who could be a part of a committee backfield. I think he's got starter traits in the fact that he can play on all three downs. Is that going to translate to him being a full-fledged starter at the NFL? I'm not sure. But I think he's a guy that he can run inside or outside, you know, gap zone effectively. So there's a lot of things that I really liked about Rasheen Ali. And he was a guy that I don't think is on a lot of people's radars. And he really uh, is a guy that I think we're going to hear a lot more about in this upcoming year. And he's going to be a little bit more mainstream. I think when you read through Twitter, you know, about guys that, to, to be keeping an eye on, I don't think you've seen his name much. I think that's going to change this upcoming season. Yeah. I mean, uh, so far off the radar, he was off mine. And, um, you know, I, I kind of go through, I've got like a film room, uh, subscription that I, I go through and, and there's no, no cutups of him yet. And, uh, so it's something that I'll have to go dig into the YouTube, uh, you know, the YouTube, uh, game clips where they do the, the little, maybe even just the highlight reels, um, until we can really see him play this year. Cause what he does in 2022 will probably spell be the biggest thing that spells the most for his draft capital. So I guess my, my one question to you know, to bounce it back to you before you take us on, uh, is what what would he have to do this year to maybe squeeze into or at least knock on the door of like a one of the top five or six running backs of the class, maybe you know end of day two capital. What what, what would you have to see from him because he was already really productive. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough, you know, from Marshall, the level of competition is just not going to be the same as others. And as we talk about guys tonight, it's it's a deep running back class. So I'm not sure he can get to the top five unless like the combine or the pro day just like 
blows us away. Like I like I said, I think he's got good to very good athleticism speed, but that could be like four, four, eight, right? That's a good speed for a running back, right? You know, he could test that really well if they do the if they do the change of direction drills, or I'd expect him to be very good in, in the you know the broad jump and the vert jump. But like I think for him, it's gonna be hard to get to that top five. But I do think he could be a guy that I, I put an early day three draft grade on him. You know, so, yeah, I think he could be round four, round five right now. But, you know, we sort of guys like, listen, Damian Pierce is getting a lot of buzz right now. And he went round four, right? Jameer White round four. So if he goes round four, I think that that could still speak volumes for him. And, and who knows? Maybe he has the capability because he can play on all three downs. And if he shows that he can handle pass protection, we already know he can be a receiver. That could be his ticket on maybe sneaking in the back door uh, of day two if he truly is three down capable in all facets of the game, running, receiving, and pass protection. So let's keep this moving and bring up one of the biggest Debbie Darlings and a guy who's been in the spotlight for quite some time. And that's Tank Bigsby out of Auburn, six feet, 215 pounds. Uh, this is a guy who, as long as we've been talking about Bijan and Robinson, we've also been talking about Tank Bigsby, right? Like they seem to be that one, two in that recruiting class, you know, both big time recruits. And while Bijan Robinson has gotten more of the buzz and the pizzazz, that is not to take anything away from Tank Bigsby. When I watch Tank Bigsby on film, what I classified his profile is he's got great size and frame. I thought he's got good to very good athleticism for a guy who's 215. I like the speed and acceleration. I think he's got really good bursts. I like the footwork. I think he's got the ability to one cut and get upfield very quickly. To me, he has surprising elusiveness for a bigger back to make people miss in the open field. I really liked his contact balance. I thought he was able to absorb contact well, run through contact, pick up extra yards. I like the play strength and the finishing ability. And I thought his receiving skills, is he going to be a guy that you line up in the slot and do? No, but I thought his receiving skills were, were above average. I think he could be functional in the pass game. And I think that will be a, a, alluring to NFL teams. I thought he had some inconsistent hands. That there were some ball security issues that I'd like him to clean up. Uh, get a little bit better in pass protection. But to me, he's a guy who can play on all three downs or be a lead of a committee backfield. I think he's best in an inside gap or zone scheme, but I think he can do outside stuff as well. Definitely kick to the outside. I think to me, when you look at the guys who went in round two this year, the Kenneth Walkers, the Brees Halls, I don't, I think Tank Bigsby is on the trajectory of being in that kind of mindset in terms of his talent i'd be surprised i don't think he sneaks into round one because i think that's going to be rarefied air now when somebody does that but to me he's a guy squarely on the day two radar jeff did you see anything very different than me did you see anything that that i didn't bring up that maybe you kind of want to elaborate on or add to or any takes on tank because i know you, you got a chance to watch him a little yeah i mean uh i was a little bit more excited about tank after coming away uh on my film review this month than even some of the other bigger names that we might talk about later in this show. I, I, you, you mentioned it really well. It, that athleticism really jumps off the page. Um, last year was a rough year in general for all of Auburn. And I think that that's diminished a lot of the excitement around Bigsby. But when you, when you put that tape on and you see him using excellent footwork, um, you know, to just set up defenders, suck them in, and then just cut hard across the front of them and and hit the edge and make the corner. 
I, I mean, it's, it's really hard not to get, you know, excited. And, you know, as far as his receiving ability, you know, I do think we're in a situation where, um, it's, it was Auburn, man. He was thrown so many bad balls. Like I'm, I'm talking <laughs> way outside his frame. I'm talking, you know, like he, I saw one where he, he was on the sideline, you know, defender, you know, it was, the throw was behind him. He had to like kind of come back. The defender got to play on it. He like tipped it up in the air and then tracked it and followed it, came, brought it back down along the sideline. Like he's making some really good catches out there um, because the quality of throws he's getting is, is, is not great. (laughs) Um, And so what I really think is, you know, I mean, he, he was right there with Bijan after his freshman year. I mean, he just dominated college football as, as a freshman and, you know, for whatever reason, you know, like, I don't know that, you know, Auburn was really good that year and, and kind of bringing into, you know, it, it's sort of hard to see how it all fell apart in 2021, but you know, if he's able to, to kind of bring about some of that freshman magic, I don't, even if he doesn't, he's going to be a player that I think I love, but if he does bring that magic back, you know, find a way to, you know, essentially break college football again, you know, he might be in a one, a one B in my mind with some of, with like Bijan or we'll see with some of these other guys. I think he's squarely in that tier if he's able to do that. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% spot on on that. Like, you know, this year turned into like a 1A, 1B, right? Some people like Brees Hall better. Some like Ken Walker better. Some people think Ken Walker was the better pure rusher, but Brees Hall maybe was a little bit more versatile, you know, and maybe maybe had a higher ceiling or whatever. I don't think it's out of realm of possibility that we get there with Tank Bigsby and B. John Robinson because he could, if, if the team is a little bit better this year, and that's a question mark, but... You know, like someone might look at Tank Bigsby and be like, well, how is he that much different than Zamir White? The athleticism, yeah, on, <laughs> on like combine numbers, Zamir White was good athletically, right? Good high school. But like the way the athleticism translates to a football field is very different. And I like Zamir White. It's not a knock on Zamir White. It's just that you could have two guys that are built somewhat similarly, both be athletic, but the way it translates to the football field is very different, right? Oh, yeah. It's like- thing. That's yeah. like looking at numbers, right? Like, versus looking at how that number translates to the way they move, right? It's just you you put them on just back to back clips, and you know maybe we'll do that one of these days. We'll throw some clips on here instead of our scouting report, but you just put it back 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 clips, and it's really easy to tell the difference between you know who has more dynamic movement skills. For sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, let's let's keep this moving. Uh, up next is Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. Uh, many people thought he was going to come out last year. He's six foot one, two hundred and twenty four pounds. Now Charbonnet's a really interesting guy. So I'm really excited to hear your take on Charbonnet because, you know, I try to be in a little bit of a vacuum as I do my my evals, and, and that's kind of what I've been doing over the last couple of weeks. And, and not, but but Charbonnet is a guy that's impossible not to know what other people think because I think a lot of people thought he was going to come out this past draft. So he's been talked about. He's a guy who was a Debbie Darling years and years ago when it didn't pan out in Michigan. And here's what I think first I, I, he's got great size and frame. I think the athleticism, the movement skills, and the short area burst are very, very average to the point that it comes across as there's hundreds of running backs that 
are have played in the NFL or in the NFL where that is just equal. Where I think he wins is I like the contact balance, the power, the play strength, the finishing ability, the toughness, physicality to break tackles, pick up additional yards. That's to me his calling card. Um, I did think he has some good footwork for a bigger guy. I like the vision and patience, allows his blocks to develop. I think the scheme, though, at UCLA really, you know, that Chip Kelly scheme really did open up a lot of wide open rushing lanes. Uh, But I do think he's pretty decisive in hitting those holes once they're open. But I did think he had a little bit of a runway. Mm -hmm. So I do have some concerns about his ability to make people miss. If he doesn't have a good old line, I could see struggling. I think other people look at him and see a better level athlete and better speed and better bursts. I haven't came across that the last year when I scouted him and wrote him up for the notebook and then going back. But I know a lot of other people think differently of him. Where do you kind of stand on Charbonnet? Because to me, I think he's more of a depth running back piece. He's a day three guy. I don't think he's a day two guy. I think he can maybe work his way into a committee backfield on early downs. Uh, I just don't see the ceiling of, of other guys who've gone on day two but maybe I'm missing something and I've just had this blind spot on Charbonnet because a lot of people do. No, I mean, I, I see exactly what you're saying. And I, I also see shades of, you know, I know certain people, like I think Nick Whalen, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he's the one, one of the ones really excited about him. But um, I, I see the reasoning to be excited behind him too. And I, you know, in the two games I watched one, I came across thinking like committee early down runner. And in then the USC game, he actually put on a really good set of film where you can say, oh, maybe, maybe it's, maybe the burst is a little above average. Maybe the speed is average and, you know, and, and he could take chunk plays to the 20 yards, 30 yards kind of range. You know, I have him as, you know, I, I like the contact balance. I called it, you know, called him like, like a stable bowling ball um, and just continuous, relentless forward momentum downhill runner but i do think he lacks that speed to be a true open field threat and you know i think the footwork you know he has shown good footwork and then he's also shown maybe a little sloppy footwork at times i think he's a little bit more when aj Dillon came out he had a lot of haters in the draft and and i i kind of i was a little more impressed with his footwork and then the way he kind of put that together and i think charbonnet shows shades of that but not consistently so i think he's just you know, kind of that. I think he's the prospect that the AJ Dillon haters, you know, thought he thought AJ Dillon was as sort of a round four, round five guy. Um, so I think that, but that's kind of what you could see. Like maybe he refines that. Maybe it's more consistent. Maybe he gets up into day two. Um, I think his range of outcomes is actually, you know, for a guy where the athleticism is pretty limited, I think his range of outcomes is actually pretty big. Yeah, I, I could see that. And it's interesting because, like, I was a Dylan guy, but I think I was a Dylan guy because, you know, it didn't surprise me when Dylan blew up the combine for what he did because I kind of thought he had that in him. I thought we soared at some long speed and acceleration. We knew he wasn't going to be much of a guy like, you know, the elusiveness factor. And I don't think Charbonnet has that either. Sometimes he, he looks like he, he's stuck in, like, you know, cement or something, like when he's trying to make a quick move, you know, laterally. But I just think, like, when I watched Charbonnet, and I wasn't a fan of Zach Moss either. I know it was a couple inches shorter, similar uh, weight. But, like, I wasn't a fan of Zach Moss. Like, it surprised me when he went in, in round three. I thought he was much more of a day three type player. And, like, I kind of have the same vibes. A lot of people were a lot higher on Zach Moss, and I wasn't. And I'm kind of feeling like unless I see something very different from his film, and 
I'm not really expecting that because I kind of feel like that offense is going to be very productive. Uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see if, if my my take on Charbonnet changes at all this year because this is this is now the second time we did a deep dive last year on him during the year, and then I went back and did another one this summer, and now this I, I twice I've walked away with the same thought process. Obviously, I'll continue to monitor and watch him and, and kind of see, you know, if it changes uh, for this upcoming year. But he's he's an interesting one because I know that, I know he really does have uh, his his fans and supporters out there. So, we'll he's a guy I think I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot about. Uh, let's keep this moving and let's go to the Michigan running back Blake Corum. He's a junior. He's five eight. He's two hundred pounds. Uh, this is a guy who has been getting a lot of notoriety, is a guy that's been thought of highly in the Debbie community. And when I got my first real exposure to him over, over the last couple of weeks, uh, I came away really Im- impressed with Blake Corum. Yeah, he's a little bit undersized, but I think the 200 pounds to me is a very compact, solid frame. It's just that he's undersized at five foot eight, but not like he's not slender. Because uh, I sometimes feel like people don't, you know, separate those two. Yes, he's undersized, but I think he's got a compact frame. I thought the athleticism was very good uh, overall. I think he has above average long speed and acceleration. I thought he had good short area bursts and explosiveness. I thought he had great footwork, lateral quickness, the ability to make people miss, that cutting ability, the change of direction. Uh, I thought the vision was very good and a guy who could, you know, be a weapon out of the backfield as well catching passes. To me, he's kind of got a, Again, in a different body style than A-Chain, but I think mm-hmm. in terms of trying to think about where he translates to the next level, I kind of put him on that committee backfield, change of pace, pass catching back, kick returner, you know, just to the, the level of, of how it, much the investment is might dictate the usage, but I kind of feel like him and A-Chain kind of their transition profile to the NFL Kind of similar. I think Cora might could maybe could run between the tackles a little bit more than you might see A chain because he does have that sturdier frame. Uh, but I, but I don't think an NFL team is going to think of a, this is a guy that we want to bang up the you know up the between the tackles you know twelve fifteen times a game and then add on some other stuff. So that's kind of how I I looked at him. I thought he was a guy that could be round three. Maybe he falls depending on just how good the class is. But I think he definitely has day two upside. Uh, any thoughts from your end on Quorum? Any add-ons? What you saw differently? No, I think I think you did a good summation on him. Uh, you know, I think as far as a runner, I do think he's a little bit more um, not just the bulk, but uh, you know, his understanding of leverage is a little bit more advanced than a chain, but um, and a little bit elusive, and you know, a pre- little bit burst and a little bit speed, but just nothing that really like jumped out. I think what what was the most impressive aspect of his game was his pass catching chops. I think he showed suddenness on roots that, you know, is something you don't always see it uh, on running backs, you know, in the passing game at this level. And so I think he, he could play a role in that passing game, but there's uh, Don, uh, Donovan Evers there too, that, you know, might be the preferred weapon for Michigan. So uh, how that, breaks down this year will be something that I'm watching closely. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, he's set up to have a, I think a big workload this year and we'll, we'll kind of see, you know, what he makes of it and where he can kind of climb. Cause I think that's the thing with this draft class, right? Like 
it's a really strong running back class right now, like far superior than, than I think. Yeah. I know we had Kenneth Walker and, you know, and, and Brees Hall last year. And I personally really like James Cook, but like, to me, it was Hall and Walker in one tier cook kind of in his own tier. And then like 10 guys kind of like grouped together after that, I feel like next year it's going to be very different in terms of the depth of the, the high quality depth uh, that we are going to see. All right. We got some names to get through. So uh, let me introduce us here to Travis Dye out of USC uh, transfer um, from Oregon senior uh, 510 205. Uh, take us through your thoughts on Travis Dye here. Now, Die was a guy that I felt like I watched a decent amount just because when things settled down in my house, I feel like I constantly watched a lot of West Coast, you know, Pac-12 football over the, over the last, you know, last year. But I feel like when I put him through like my my film watching, I came away way more impressed with Travis Die than than I thought I was going to be just from when I watched him last year. Yeah, he's a little undersized again at five foot ten, but. To, but to me, the frame is fine at 205. Like, it's nothing that's, like, really concerning that jumps out. I thought he had really good athleticism, good to very good. The athleticism, the burst, the speed. I thought he had acceleration. I like his lateral quickness, the footwork, the cutting ability. I thought he showed agility and change of direction skills, uh, elusiveness in the open field. And we're talking about a guy who we've talked about some guys today who can catch the ball. Travis Dye might be in the conversation of the best pass catching running back in next year's draft class. I mean, last year, 46 catches for 402 yards. Like he was doing work with these. He wasn't catching 24, 25 passes for like 120 yards and mostly dump offs. This was a guy who was making plays. And and to me, he's ideal for an outside zone run scheme. I think he fits in that world of committee, change of pace, pass catching running back. But I think he's going to have potentially, if the workload goes his way, he could have a star-like season at USC with that. With that offense is going to be there with the new, you know, new play caller, new system in place. If Dye's the lead guy there, I think you're going to see him generate a lot of excitement and a lot of buzz this upcoming college football year. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. There's that opportunity, you know, is right there for the taking. We we didn't really see anybody just sees it like a Keontae Ingram last year. And so it's really, you know, it's there for someone to take. We're not inheriting, you know, you know, like we're not automatically passing the torch to anybody else here. So I, I, you know, obviously he's transferring in a lot of transfers into USC to, to get into this program on the right up. Yeah. And, and, and he's, he's a guy, listen, there's some concerns, right? The frame, the size, the play strength, the power physicality, but those are the same concerns that we could have said about a guy like last year, like Tyler Beatty, right? Like, you know, I know he fell a little bit in the draft, but he's been, he's been generating a lot of buzz, you know, like, so I I think Travis Dye is a guy who's going to generate some excitement, some buzz, like Rashad White was doing, obviously the pre-draft process. He really catapulted himself up there. He was in my top five. I think Travis Dye is somewhere on that Tyler Beatty to Rashad White spectrum, and I think that's going to intrigue some NFL teams. Exactly. So let's, let's we'll move on here to John Emery um, out of LSU. He's a senior. He's 5'11", 218. What do you think uh, – you know, what do you think John Emery brings to the table? What can we expect from him this year? To me, I think the word that's that kind of 
engulfs him is underperforming since, since his time in college. This was the former five-star recruit. Uh, to me, when I go back, I, I think it was, I even remember Matt telling me, like, this was a guy that when I watched some, like, highlight films from, like, high school, a lot of explosion and bursts. I haven't seen that in college. Like, to me, he's got average size, good frame, average to maybe above average athleticism, long speed and acceleration. Five-star recruits don't have average athleticism. Usually, five-star recruits are, like, good, very good to great or elite. To me, I just don't see it on the football field. I see average to above average at the absolute best. I think he's got some short area bursts you see from time to time. I think his footwork is pretty solid. He At 5'11", 218, he shows some contact balance. He'll run through tackles. He'll pick up extra yards. He fights he's good toughness and physicality. I think he's a good interior runner, shows above average to good vision. But to me, he's a depth running back. I don't see that much more. I know there's that natural tool set that might be in there that causes him to be a five-star once upon a time, but I feel like that has been very far removed. I think he's a late round type guy or UDFA depth running back type right now. So let's keep this moving. I'll, I'll kind of transition right over to Zach Evans, a much more prevalent name to, to, to have on your radar for this upcoming college football season. He's out of Ole Miss. He's, I should say, he transferred to Ole Miss. Last two years, he's been at TCU. He's a junior. His, he's six feet, 215 pounds. Good size, average frame, very good athleticism, speed, explosiveness. He's a home run type threat. He's got bursts. He's got acceleration. I think he's got good to very good vision. He hasn't carried a, a large workload, but I, but I think there's been enough that you see good decision-making at times in terms of his vision. I think he's got the lateral quickness to get to the perimeter because he's got that home run threat. I think he's got footwork, change of direction skills, cutting ability. I think he shows elusiveness for a guy similar to Tank Bigsby, right? Six six feet, 215, doesn't usually profile, right? Mm-hmm. As a guy who's got great, good footwork, can make people miss in the open field, similar to Tank, Zach Evans can do that also, right? I think that's – and I think he's even got – a little bit better top end speed than mm-hmm. a guy like Tank Bigsby, but just hasn't had nearly as productive total package as, as a guy like Tank Bigsby. But I have them like basically side by side in my rankings, and, and maybe I'll divulge that a little bit at the end because I do think there's a lot of similarities with their game. I think Tank Bigsby is a little bit more polished at this point, uh, but I think Evans might have a little bit more juice, but they both have a lot of juice. They both have really good footwork. I'm intrigued by Zach Evans. He could have that mediocre rise where I think, like we said, can B.J. Robinson hold everybody off to be RB1 to be determined? But if a guy jumps into the mix, like we said, maybe 10 can, I think Zach Evans is right there too. As much as I like guys like Deve Chain, and he's a, a specialty player that I think the NFL is going to love, and he could theoretically go in round two and be the second RB off the board. It wouldn't stun me. I don't think he's going to be the first RB, right? Because he just doesn't profile as that. But Tank Bigsby and Zach Evans could. And I think those would be the two guys who could be the wild cards that maybe could catapult themselves into that mix and make it a 1A or 1B or 1C. Uh, so I, I really am a fan of Zach Evans' game, but I really want to see more. I just, we haven't seen that large enough sample size yet to make me fully comfortable putting them the, up there. But I think his upside might be near that top. Yeah, I, I mean, I... I don't know if I'd put concern on the sample size, but, you know, from a production standpoint, you know, you just, you kind of want that explosion. You want that, you know, 1300 yard season off the ground. And, you know, it's, it wasn't there at TCU, but 
I, I think that's something that people now expect, you know, now that he's over at Ole Miss. I mean, Zach Evans is, I think, just off my my seasonal preview watching, one of my favorite running backs in this class. Um, I just, he's really smart. He knows exactly how to run to the blocking scheme. He's, he's explosive. I, I mean, we're, we're talking about being able to uh, capitalize on that second level on those breakaways at the same level as any of the other, you know, tier one backs in this class. You know, he's great at conserving his momentum, you know, keeping, keeping, you know, the pressure on the defense, attacking the defense, not giving them, you know, an opportunity, you know, to catch up or, or, or come back and recover, you know, so he's constantly pressing there, you know, obviously I, I think part of people's worries or concerns is, is that off the field stuff. It's not part of my scouting. Now I want to mention it because you're going to hear about it and hopefully it's behind him. You know, it, there's obviously it's, you know, you're bouncing around. He's transferring again. Um, it's, it's something that we'll probably hear about during the NFL draft cycle. And if a team invests in him, then they're going to feel comfortable with the structure of being able to bring him into the fold. So why don't you take us on to our next player here, Paul? Yeah. And, and one last note about Zach Evans on the football field. I think the one thing, if you take out all that stuff, I think the one thing people are going to want to see is, where does he stand in terms of his receiving capability, right? Because I think we know mm-hmm. his rushing capability, especially with more of a workload, is yeah. going to be really impressive, right? It, 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 you know, it's going to, you know, similar to how we fell in love with, with, with Kent Walker's tape, but what was the one lingering thing that kept coming up with Kent Walker? Is, are they not using him because he can't do it? Is it just not a part of their offensive scheme? Like, there's going to be questions about Zach Evans until he shows it. Can he be more productive in the passing game? Did they just only give him 10 opportunities because, you know, that's just the way it happened or their offense? Can he pass protect? Can what level of, of a receiver can he be? Can he just be a check down guy? Can there be more in that arsenal? I think that's something that people, I think most people expect him to be great on the ground this year. And if the off the field stuff check out, I think on the football field, the receiving aspect of it and the pass protection is going to be two things that really can catapult him, uh, you know, up the boards as well uh, when we're kind of breaking ties. So another major, major name transferring as well is our next guy. And that's Jameer Gibbs out formerly of Georgia Tech, now calling Alabama home, the junior. He's 5'11". He's 200 pounds. Uh this is a guy, yeah, he's only got average size. I think he could add a little bit to his frame, maybe 5, 10 pounds. But I think he's got very good athleticism. It's not great. It's not elite. It's not special. But I, I, I'm still classified as very good. I think his speed is very good. Fluidity is the word that I like the most about Jameer Gibbs. His movement skills and his fluidity, to me, are very impressive. He's got that burst. He's got acceleration if he gets to the second level. I like his lateral quickness, his footwork, the ability to change directions, he shows agility and elusiveness in the open field. I thought his vision is really good. And at times he's been playing behind a poor Georgia Tech team. So I think sometimes, uh, you know, a bad decision could look like as, as poor vision, but I'm not sure I really believe that when he's trying to make something happen. I think he's, got, he's I, I talked about Travis Dye before. If it's not Travis Dye, Jameer Gibbs is right there too in terms of one of the best pass catching running backs that I've evaluated so far. I think in Alabama, you're going to see just – the amount of attention that is drawn to him is going to be massive. Uh, to me, 
and again, we think that the elite, elite player that he is right now, but I kind of look at him right now, and, and I, I don't think the elite, elite Austin Eckler, but I, I think of like a version of Austin Eckler as he started to become the Austin Eckler that now has become dominant. I think Jameer Gibbs can be that type of player. I don't think he's a guy you're ever going to want to pound 18 times into the ground as a, as a pure running back. But I don't think I don't think the Chargers like to do that with Austin Eckler. So in terms of a usage standpoint, an ideal usage standpoint, I think Gibbs can be that Austin Eckler type player. Uh, you know, I I think you're going to see him really improve his stock with Alabama, the offense, the offensive line, and everything he's going to have going for them. I think he's squarely headed towards a day two pick for sure. Uh, Jeff, any any thoughts on Gibbs? I know I feel like he's going to be a guy that watching Alabama film of him to Georgia Tech film is definitely going to be a little bit different at times. I feel like it's going to maybe resemble a different player a little bit. But what you saw from his Georgia Tech film, any additional thoughts? Well, yeah, and and when I do my deep dive scouting after the season, I will go back to his Georgia Tech film um, because there's a lot that I like there, um, and and maybe it's the gold helmet. But you say you say Austin Eckler there are shades of Alvin Kamara to me, just um, contact balance, power, pacing, burst, patience. You know, he's using all of these to maximize his problem solving solutions and, and a proven pass catching asset. So, you know, he's tracking the ball over his shoulder. He's finding open spots in the zone on third and goal to catch a touchdown. He's catching through contact. So, yeah, maybe he doesn't have the elite, elite speed. I think, you know, he was run down at the five on one big run, but it was a big run. <laughs> and he's got plenty enough speed to play in the NFL as well. Again, you know, I, it's not like, you know, Kamara blew up the combine either. I, I think this is this is a guy who can play football. He he can he can get through he he can he can pretty much give an offensive coordinator, a lot of options in how they integrate him into an offensive game plan. And I think he's probably the best all around back in this class, in my opinion. Yeah. I I think, I think the argument can be made for that. And I think now playing at Alabama is really going to get an opportunity to kind of see him with a much better supporting cast than he's ever been uh given in in his career so I, it's gonna be really interesting to kind of see you know because we've talked about could tank bigs be you know leapfrog you know and get up there can it make it you know can you know uh you know zach evans you know the case could also be made jameer gibbs is going to get every opportunity as well because of the fact that it's alabama right like he's gonna be in the spotlight now yes with the spotlight comes being, you know, evaluated and, and nitpicked and, and all that stuff. But I think he's got the skill set, you know, and obviously we're seeing him similarly, right? You're bringing up all, Alvin Kamara. I'm bringing up Austin Eckler. Like if he's even 80% of either of those guys, right? He's a star pick, right? So like, you know, like, so I, I think we're very much on the same wavelength about what Jameer Gibbs can be at the next level. And yeah, if he's a four four eight guy, who cares? That's very good speed. Like, I mean, not everyone's going to be sub four, four, right? I know we had a lot of guys this year and that turf at the, uh, you know, the, the turf at in Indianapolis last year was flying, but like Alvin Kamara ran like a four, four, eight or a four, five. That was fine. Like th- that's a good speed. Like, and I think Jameer Gibbs will be there too. So like, it was weird when I watched, when I first 
thought I watched Amir Gibbs like on Saturday, not a, like a more thorough filming Val. I thought more like Devonta Freeman. And then I was surprised at the, and, and listen, if he's Devonta Freeman, that's a really good career too. But like, I was surprised that he had more bursts and acceleration and, and overall speed than I, than I thought I gave him credit for when I watched him on Saturdays. Obviously I wasn't, making it a appointment TV to watch Georgia Tech. So I think that's probably part of it. Uh I didn't I didn't think he had that level of speed and, and quickness and shiftiness and, and fluidity to his game. And, and I think he really does. And I think that's the thing that makes him such a special player. It's gonna be fun to watch. Uh let's take this to Eric Gray. This is a guy that thought was going to come out last year, played his first couple years at Tennessee, transferred to Oklahoma last year. And we talked about him a lot last year, right? We kept waiting for him to seize that backfield, right? And Kennedy Brooks just kept kind of holding on and and continued to be more productive and get the the lion's den of the rushing touches. But there's still something about Eric Gray that that I I find intriguing. He's 5'10", he's 215 pounds. Uh, Yeah, just average size. I think the frame is good. I still think he's got good to very good athleticism. I think he's going to be a guy who you see that on the field. When he makes plays, I think you look at him and say, He's a really good athletic player. I think he'll test that way. Uh, I like the acceleration, the burst, the long speed. I think he's got very good footwork with the ability to make people miss, change the directions. I think he's got some agility and elusiveness to his game. I think he's another guy. I know he only had 23 catches last year, but he didn't play a lot. To me, this is a guy who's got very good to great receiving skills. He's got good hands. He can. He's got some route running chops to his game that he's not going to be a guy that just you know catches a flare out or a screen pass. I think he's got more route running capabilities to a game. I think he probably translates down the line as a committee backfield or a pass catching back, but I do think he's got three down potential because of that receiving skill, and I do think there's rushing talent there as well. But I, I do think not seizing that job in Oklahoma last year raised some red flags. I'd be interesting with a new regime there in Oklahoma to kind of see where the the – the momentum goes this year, right? Is he just become a bit piece? Because if so, he probably really, you know, falls down draft boards or does he seize control this year and becomes a guy who gets 14 total hundred, you know, 1400 total yards. Then I think he catapults himself back up to what I thought he was going to be last year. Yeah. I mean, my notes on him, I, I think I have real good hands three times, just, you know, through yeah. my films counted. good hands, good hands, <laughs> good hands. And so I, I think that, is going to give him an out, you know, for being productive in the NFL. He's going to be able to offer something. Um, and the passing game is an important part of that. I I know he's got the tools and athleticism as a runner, but I'm not surprised he never took over that job from Kennedy Brooks. I, you know, just the, the I mean, we don't have a huge sample size because he never really dominated in, in carries anywhere, but it seems like he seems so eager to get outside east west circum like to get around the defense. I just, I don't think that's a winning strategy as a runner. Um, especially as you try to, he, he's not able to do it at the college level, right? He's not, you know, Saquon Barkley reversing field and outrunning an entire 11 man team. You know, he's getting caught in college. And if, if, if he's not developing, like I, we talk a lot about how do we do our projection and, and does, you know, what matters and, and does the athleticism and, and the rod, the tools, you know, matter 
when you try to project what a player can do, you know, and make that jump, you know, we, we talk about that with Josh Allen, right. Or, you know, Miles Sanders, just, I think you have to have at least a baseline um, understanding on how to play the game. Um, And I just haven't seen that develop out of gray yet. And so maybe with more opportunity, right. If, if he does, if they're kind of giving him the shot to, to go ahead and take it and run and he's getting more reps and maybe he's got, you know, again, new regime, maybe he's getting a little more direction. Maybe we see that happen, but to be all in on him, uh, you know, I think that's what I'm going to have to see this year. Yeah. It's a big prove it year for him. He's a guy that I think he can, he can move one of, he can move two ways. Like, I don't think he's going to be, I think he's a guy who can push his way into the round three, round four mix or he could push his way right to the end of the draft or not even be drafted. I think that's the, the the wide scope that we're talking about with a player like that because there's a lot of natural tools. But as you said, there, there's been some lacking in terms of run instincts and understanding of things. And if he doesn't show better at that and he doesn't seize control of that backfield this year, okay, last year you can make the case, okay, Kennedy Brooks was there and well-established and, you know, and, and maybe that's why he didn't, you know, and that's what they wanted. But if he doesn't seize it this year, then it just kind of adds to maybe he just doesn't have, maybe there's something that's just not there, even though he, he has some of the God-given natural talents, uh, you know, to, to do certain things. But can he put it all together? I think it's a big year for Eric Gray to kind of see what happens. Um Let's go to a guy who only played one game last year, and that is the running back out of Minnesota, Muhammad uh, Ibrahim, redshirt senior, 5'9", 210 pounds. He played one game last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was against Ohio State, and he was 163 yards, two touchdowns, really impressive performance. Obviously, I think most people were scouting him to come out last year. Then he suffers the season-ending injury, uh, cost him all of last year. When I look at him, though, I still think he's more of a late dapery type guy, uh, mid to late dapery guy, depth running back. Maybe he could develop into part of a lesser committee, uh, average size, but I, I think the frame is really solid at, at two ten. Uh, like it's a it's a compact frame, I should say. Uh, the weight obviously is nothing you know that's that jumps out at you, but I think the athleticism is just average. But I do think he's got some short area bursts. I really like for a smaller guy at five nine. He runs really hard. There's a lot of short. There's a lot of contact balance, toughness, play strength, power, and physicality. He'll absorb contact. He'll run through contact. He'll finish. Like you don't see a lot of five nine guys finishing their runs as aggressively as he does. Uh, I think you pick up some additional yardage. I like his footwork. I think he's got pretty good vision. I think he runs with a good pad level. Kind of adds to that play strength power that we see. I think he's a nice depth running back with, with some upside. I think the injury, the age are going are gonna to be some detriments to his game. I don't think he's got a lot of long speed. He hasn't shown much receiving chops at his time in college. I don't think he's going to make people miss in, in short areas or behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, so I, I think he's kind of a limited player, but there are some facets of his game that, that I think are, are pretty nice uh, when you, when you uh, watch that film. Any thoughts on him, Jeff? Yeah, and I think we're gonna have uh, a good disagreement and some some good good debates this year with Ibrahim because I remember getting on the show. You know, this is this is when I kind of first started hitting regular with you guys, and um, and 
you know, this is week one. We're, we're all yep. excited about the college season. And had it not been for that Achilles injury, Ibrahim was shooting up the, the, the players to watch for the draft. Right. I mean, I, that game was as impressive as one that we'd seen. And you, you mentioned all of the things I love. He's a hard runner to bring down, he pulls through tackle attempts. He finishes strong. I think he, I think he did a, I think he's, you might be underselling at least what his athleticism was. My biggest question, I mean, the Achilles injury has been, you know, pretty much the death sentence for running backs. That's why we were so, you know, that's why when that injury happened after what he showed that very first week, you know, it was pretty devastating for us because, you know, typically coming back from that is, is just a long shot even for NFL players. Right. And so how's a college player going to come back from that and make a jump in the level of competition we're seeing that, especially a year or two out, that's starting to be something athletes are recovering from now. Maybe there's a, um, you know, maybe there's a, um, you know, an, a breakthrough in medical technology that's kind of helping those heal faster. Um, so I guess we're just going to have to see, like, can he address those concerns? post-injury for you right and and that's kind of something that we're i'm gonna have to see myself post-injury but you know i watched a penn state game you know and he was able to get around micah parsons pushing into the backfield and and get around the edge so you know he didn't he didn't turn it into a 10 12 yard gain but he got around the edge and back up you know to the line of scrimmage to get a to make a positive play out of one that was blown up and a negative play and he played really well there i mean he he blocked Micah Parsons, uh, you know, straight up stonewalled him so that they, you know, QB snuck for a first down. I think Ibrahim's a guy that, I mean, if he's, if we come in and we see him productive, we see him, you know, we see him kind of starting or at least building strong to the end of the year, at least one of those things. Um, he's a guy that I'm probably going to go, not all in on, but I'm going to be really excited to, he'll probably be a flag plant guy of my guy just based on what I had previously seen from him. Yeah. Listen, I think it, it's the things that we talked about. If I'm underselling his athleticism, then I think he's one of those guys that I'm too low on. Right. Because like we talked about how he runs, how he finishes the play strength, that stuff is there. My concerns are whether or not without the receiving chops, yet that we've seen and then my concerns athletically that's where he's a little bit further down for me but if i'm short 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 changing that well i kind of mentioned it before then right then maybe ibrahim is is a guy who's a better comp for like a devonta freeman right especially with the body yeah. type five nine two ten freeman was a really hard runner right like for a smaller guy like he was really strong really physical like maybe that's a little bit more who ibrahim is uh, you know, if he has that component to his game and I'm, and I'm sure changing, uh, you know, his athleticism, I think that's one, like you said, it's going to have to be more monitored the second half of the year because we almost kind of naturally expect it to start a little slow. You know, I know we've seen some guys come back really quickly from even the Achilles yeah. injuries now, but I mean, Cam Akers didn't look like Cam Akers right last yeah. year. Right? So they, we got to be careful to, to maybe evaluate early in the year. I think watching his second half of the year film is going to be really important. Honestly, can he season. hit? Yeah. Can he hit, you know, baseline combine numbers 
yeah. newest entries. We've got to kind of think through there. Um, yeah. Oh, and just one other thought, like as you were talking about that athleticism, there was another guy that um, I loved coming out, you know, Devin Singletary, very, very baseline, baseline, maybe not even, you know, just, just on the threshold of, of not being, you know, an athlete for the NFL, but who made the most of what he had and has played a, a good role for the bills as my favorite mover of his, you know, uh, underrated mover of his class. Um, and so, you know, as long as Ibrahim makes like makes a couple thresholds by the time the combine rolls around, because then you're, you're talking 18 months, uh, you know, post injury, you know, maybe we'll start to see that, you know, explosiveness, maybe start to come, come back and show there. All right. Let me take us to Rashkan Johnson out of Texas. He's a senior. He's six one. He's two nineteen. He's sharing a backfield. Paul, what's got you excited about Rashkan? Yeah, like Rashkan Johnson was a guy that I I knew absolutely nothing of until I you know I saw him on some lists. I was like, all right, he, he's on a list. He, you know, people people are talking about him a little bit, and and then it wasn't even the first list got me intrigued. Then I watched him. I really liked them. And then I saw him on the next list, which is the list everybody knows about. And that's Bruce Feldman's freak list. Like Rashawn Johnson is a guy who I know he shares that backfield with B. John Robinson, but he's going to be a guy that his collegiate production is not going to match. And so people who are looking for the analytics people aren't going to like Rashawn Johnson because he's not going to have much. He doesn't have a breakout year. He's not going to have a breakout year. His production isn't going to be anything too fancy. But if you just watch for traits, this is a guy who's got very good size and frame, good to very good athleticism. And honestly, maybe I'm sure changing him if he's on Bruce Feldman's freak list, maybe that should be very good to great or elite. We'll, we'll see. But that's what I saw on film, very good to very good. I think he's got bursts. I think he's got long speed, acceleration, very good play strength, the contact balance to absorb it and run through it and, and maintain his balance, power, physicality, toughness. Good footwork and agility with the ability to one cut and get upfield quickly. He doesn't have the footwork or make you miss ability like a tank or a Zach Evans. So that's why he's not at that level. But for a guy who's 6'1, 219, he's got enough of it combined with the, the natural athleticism, combined with the power, combined with the finishing ability to be a really intriguing player. He can play on all three downs. So he's a depth running back, but he's got a lot of upside to be a part of a committee backfield because it's not like he's just pigeonholed for early down. And it's not like he's just pigeonholed as a pass catcher. You know, I think he's a guy who can play on all three downs. I think his receiving skills and his pass pro are, are probably about functional or average right now. But I really am intrigued by Rashkan Johnson. If Texas has a good year or a really good year, I think you're going to see a lot more buzz for him also because people are just going to be watching Texas more. So when B. John's not on the field, I think people are going to at, at times think it's B. John too. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be surprised to find out it's his backup because I think he's going to make a lot of impressive plays as well this upcoming year. Well, and maybe there's, there's potentially an opportunity where if, you know, maybe they don't, maybe Texas doesn't do great. You know, B. John knows, you know, okay, we're, we're not playing for a champion Natty at this point, right? You know, maybe he starts to take off and look for, look for his, you know, his draft process. And, and then you get, uh, you get Rosh Khan being able to, 
get a little bit more of that workload or, you know, maybe Bijan sits out the bowl game and Rosh Khan plays the bowl game. And does, I was just going to say, know, I get so, yeah. it, you know, <laughs> I, I could totally see Bijan not playing the bowl game and Rosh Khan Johnson runs for like 188 yards and like two touchdowns. And maybe that's what he needs. Maybe that's something that's going to catapult his pre-draft process next year because, there's like the one thing is like I didn't see a lot of things. And again, the sample size and what's out there mm-hmm. is limited for, for us here in terms of what we're able to do. But there was nothing when I watched the 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 video that was about available for him. There was nothing that I, I looked at and said, he is glaringly in need of doing this better. Like, That's great. You know I, what I mean? I, like, and again, have- it's there, there's not a lot out there. So like, and I we're only have access to a very minimal amount for some guys. We have more than others, but like there was nothing that was like, Oh, I didn't see any vision from him or any patience, or I didn't see any, the lateral quickness that it never showed up where he can make somebody get to miss on the perimeter. Like besides like, yeah, I'd like to see more receiving production than 11 catches for 83 yards. And the fact that he's been a part-time player, like those are the only things that right now, like to me, are like okay, like, and he can't fix the part timeness unless B. John gets hurt, and hopefully that's not the case. And we're probably not going to see much more in the receiving production because how much is there going to go around, right, in terms of pass catching, you know, to the Texas running back staple? But there, there wasn't something about his game, and then to see him on Bruce Feldman's freak list, which I do think NFL teams are very, un- very cognizant of who's on that list. I, I think the momentum is starting to build of Roshkan Johnson being a little bit more of a household name. And, and I think we'll kind of see that. Listen, he's, I'm not saying he's going to be a day two guy. He's going to be a day three guy probably. But like, I think he's going to be a guy that he's not going to be talked about a lot during the year. And then all of a sudden, like you're going to hear about him as like an intriguing name for round four, round five. And people are going to be like, oh, where's this guy been? Well, he's been playing behind Bijan. So, so I think that's going to be the thing. Uh, but I think he's he's got an intriguing skill set, and I think maybe now he'll generate a little bit more buzz being on that list by by Bruce Feldman this past week. Definitely. Well, and, you know, and to high praise to say there's not a ton of developmental concerns because I even have you know developmental areas that I'm looking for from Bijan, so that's like huge huge praise for and sure. He, but I, but if, I do if he blows I, up I, the combine. Yeah. And, you know, if he if he blows up the bowl game and he blows up the combine, I, it's almost a guarantee he's going to have maybe even early day three capital from someone taking a shot on that. Yeah. All I right. mean, I do. I will say one thing, though, right? The the uh, the amount of volume is has been limited. The amount of film limited. Yeah. Which yeah. could lead to not seeing those developmental areas, right? Bijan Well, he's playing you know, behind Bijan for a reason, course. too. We're not and, saying and, he's better, but, but no, 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 um, of course not. it's I know great you're not. that he has a polished, not a polished game, but it, it's great that nothing glaring stands out. Because yeah, exactly. That's oftentimes what that you I see even when somebody seen. isn't yes, playing. Exactly. But it's Bijan Robinson ahead of him, so so it makes sense. <laughs> All right, let, let's get on to, to Dwayne McBride um, out of UAB. He's a junior. He's 5'11". He's 215. You know, Paul, Paul, you're you're uh, you're hitting on another guy that I haven't gotten to dig in on. So, you know, enlighten me a little bit. What are we looking at with Dwayne? McBride is a guy very similar to where we started earlier tonight. Rasheen Ali at a Marshall. I think, he, listen, they're both juniors. So we'll see if they declare, right? They're coming from UAB and Marshall. So they might not. But I think they're they're two underclassmen that we all need to have on our radar because, uh, 5'11", 215, good size, well-built frame, 
good overall athleticism package and bursts. I think he's got above average long speed and acceleration, but he's got really good contact balance. He's got power. He's got play strength. He runs with physicality and toughness. He breaks tackles. He picks up extra yardage. I saw some footwork that I liked in his game for a bigger, semi-bigger back. Uh, he's got vision and agility, the ability to one cut. He's a guy that I think he could be part of a committee, uh, part of a committee backfield, but I think he could even, I think right now, he kind of exploded last year, you know, almost 1400 yards rushing. I think he has some starter traits as an early down type guy. We, we have, we know nothing about his receiving capabilities. It's a complete unknown right now, you know, in terms of that, in terms of pass protection, the level of competition, but McBride is a guy who I think you're going to see again. Does he declare? I think that that'll be the unknown coming out of UAB, but if he has another monster 1400 yard type year, my guess is he's going to get out when they get in, that's good, right? You know, what's the point of going back to college if you've just put two 1,400-yard seasons uh, in the books? I came away impressed with him. You know, like, I like guys like Ali and and uh, McBride significantly more than I like Zach Charbonnet. Yet they're just not being talked about because they haven't been in the limelight. They weren't a big-time recruit to Michigan, you know, where they were a Debbie Darling, right? No one knows about these guys, right? I don't even know if they show up on many top 20 running back Debbie lists. Probably not. Uh, but I think on the film alone, and again, to get to lesser competition, but if you try to narrow down the traits, uh, I think McBride's got more traits and more talent. And same thing with Ali and a guy like Charbonnet. I'm not sure, you know, how much other people see that, but but I'm intrigued by them. I think it'll be close to see if they can follow up both these guys from UAB and Marshall. Can they rebound in another not rebound, right? Can they follow up with another really strong year like they did last year? Because if so, I think you're gonna start seeing them get a lot more national attention. So let's let's keep this moving along and move to uh Kenny McIntosh. This is the guy who's gonna be asked. To take the reins now at Georgia, Georgia, we know one of the elite programs in college football, uh, great offensive line, everything that ideally set up. But can, can Kenny McIntosh seize the opportunity, right? We know that they've constantly used multiple running backs there, right? Zamir White and James Cook last year. But now I think McIntosh kind of steps in to the limelight. And I'm not saying he's going to catapult himself like the, this player I'm about to bring up, but I think for a guy like McIntosh, this is very much a Brian Robinson-like moment, right? Brian Robinson at Alabama had to kind of wait his turn, and then last year he got to show his full skill set and see his draft stock catapult to the third round. Can Kenny McIntosh replicate that in terms of the third round? I'm not sure because Georgia's got a stable of backs, young guys that are going to be mixed in as well, that are very talented as well. But I think Kenny McIntosh is going to get every opportunity to be an integral part of that team. I think he's going to be the clear James Cook replacement. The question will be how much more does he take on on top of that? I think will dictate where his draft stock is headed. But again, very limited sample size, only 328 yards rushing last year, but did have 242 yards receiving. Good size, average frame, average to above average athleticism, speed and acceleration. I think he's got good bursts, footwork and agility. I think he's got the ability to one cut and get up the field quickly. I really like his play strength, toughness, physicality. And I think he's got good to very good receiving skills. And I think there's a lot of room for that to really be 
expanded upon this upcoming year. I think he's a guy somewhere depth running back, committee backfield, receiving back. I do think he's got the capability of playing on all three downs. That is something that does really resonate with me when I watch a, a guy on film. I do think I want to see more pass protection opportunities. That just I put it I, I put things under the developmental areas or concerns if I just haven't seen it. I, I don't I haven't been exposed to any pass protection with him. So if he's going to be a pass catching running back and that's going to be part of his forte, well, then I need to see his pass protection. I I, I have no uh, you know, no film studies on that yet to know where I should put that. So I, I leave it into, in terms of the developmental area of concern, but I, but I do think he's going to get an opportunity to really kind of take that Brian Robinson where no one had him penciled in as a round three, round four guy when last, you know, summer rolled around. Can Kenny McIntosh kind of do that same kind of momentum and seize his opportunity finally here now as a senior? Look, you never know with a, a big, big program, you know, that is going to be in the limelight. But, you know, I think if you're going to take a James Cook role, you're going to have to be James Cook, right? Otherwise, you know, you, otherwise you do a, a Donovan Edwards, Edwards role or just, it's, I mean, we're going to have to see that out of him, I think, for me to get excited. Cause just from a, you know, as a, as a runner, I just, I thought he lacked a bit of vision and patience. I thought he, too often tried to out athlete the defense and just, you know, failed to win one on four running East West. Um, again, we'll, we'll see. Cause now's an opportunity for him. Same, you know, same thing as, you know, when I talked about, you know, Eric Gray, okay. You know, you've got an opportunity, but you know, I think that the thing here is Georgia has good backs. Like, you know, even Kendall Milton, I think could probably offer more as a runner. So we'll see. What does he do? Anything in the running game? And can he step up to a level of James Cook in the passing game? Uh, that'll be something then that I, I think we we take a look for this season. Yeah, so, I, I think I think I think you're spot on. I think it's a big year for him, but we'll kind of see you know where he can go with it. Well, you you tease this about someone who might explode, uh, Cameron Peoples from Appalachian State. You know, redshirt senior, six two two twenty four. So he's got the frame, he's got the size. What else do we need to know about Cameron Peoples? I I looked at him. I said he had average to above average athleticism, acceleration, long speed, and agility. I did like his short area burst. I thought he showed good vision, uh, patience, and footwork with the ability to one cut and get upfield quickly. Uh, I thought he had very good play strength, power, toughness. He showed that ability to take contact well and continue to pick up yards. I thought he showed good physicality to break tackles. Uh, constantly, you know, that forward lean where you're always going to pick up an additional like one to two yards every single time after contact. So there was a lot of about peoples that I liked. I, you know, the age is a little bit of a concern, uh, not much of anything in the receiving game. The level of competition comes into play a little bit of an upright running style. So, so I think he's a guy that you're going to hear a lot about, especially as a senior, I'd be surprised if he's not at the senior bowl, right? I don't think the senior running back class is going to be that strong. So if they're looking for six to eight guys, I think people's is probably going to be there when we eventually get around to that. Uh, so that'll get him some notoriety. You know, I think he's more of a day-free type guy, depth-type running back, you know, around four to six, probably more like a five-six type guy. Um, you know, nothing stood out that really got me excited. Like when I watched Ali or when I watched McBride, there were facets of their game that I got excited about. I think Peoples is a good back. 
especially at Appalachian State, but there wasn't anything about him that overly got me too excited. Yeah, he's he plays with good power and physicality, but he's also 6'2 and 224, right? So it's kind of like don't double count it, right? We already I expect that from a guy 6'2, 224, right? So I didn't see anything else that got me super excited, but I didn't think he played to his size and, and, and measurements, which is good. I did think he had some short area bursts, and I thought his vision and stuff was pretty solid. Um, but to me, he's more of a depth type guy. Uh, but but we'll see because I do I do know he has he has some people who are a little bit higher on him. Uh, after I looked out there a little bit than me, uh, I'm just a little bit more reserved, especially considering he's a redshirt senior, the level of competition, no receiving production or, or skills that, that I, that I've been able to see. So he's a little bit further down for me, you know, in terms of my ranks and stuff. Let's take this to the man, the myth, the legend, and that is Mr. B. John Robinson out of Texas. We talked about him multiple times tonight. He's a junior. His, he's six feet tall, 220 pounds. And I've been introducing and sharing my thoughts first. Jeff, you put some stuff out there on Twitter. I think it was probably about 10 days ago or so. Uh, It was late night for the people on the East Coast. A lot of people probably didn't get a chance to see it. So why don't don't you kind of start the the thoughts on B. John Robinson, uh, some things that you're concerned about, if you want to tie it into some of the things that you obviously – like about his game, but, but some things that maybe you were surprised were some holes, maybe is the best word or some areas of development or refinement that you want to see from him when you watch some of his highlights. I'll just drive down it. And, you know, this is the Bijan is kind of my most full scouting report because, you know, unlike a lot of the other backs, you know, where I'm, you know, getting a familiarity with them. Like I, I scouted, you know, Bijan because, you know, he's, the man, the myth, the legend, you know, I'm expecting someone who, you know, people are say he'd be, uh, you know, the, a top, you know, five running back if he was in the NFL now. So that's what I'm looking at. And, and what I see is a plus athlete relying on athleticism to beat defenders. I think he's got very good burst, but that leads to a habit of relying on jump cuts for change, you know, and change of direction, which, you know, impacts his momentum. You know, he's, he's stopping, you know, his momentum way more than when we talk about guys that I'm getting excited about, like, like Evans. So, you know, he has the burst to compensate for that and reaccelerate. And that leads to, you know, really dynamic movements and, and, you know, shifty highlights, you know, he has contact balance to go through wraps, but I think he lives as an open field runner and, you know, he conceptualizes his pacing you know, to maximize, you know, blocking designs and, and let these creases develop. But, you know, his comfort in space leads him to seek out space. And I think he can grow and develop, you know, running through bigger bodies and, and in traffic. And I think this this habit of, you know, stopping his momentum plays a role where he's not particularly, um, he doesn't excel you know, in that area of the game, especially when his offensive line is not creating for him. And I think that's one of the things that we see the most when it comes to the the non-space running, like that Bijan's creating himself there. But, you know, I think we see a lot of what his O-line creates for him. And when they don't, if you look into the Baylor game, it's a, it was a bad game for him. The Baylor game was a bad game for him. And that's because, you know, his O-line got absolutely destroyed, but Bijan wasn't helping things on his own. 
And so, you know, I think there's a lot to like. He's always aware of the cutback angles. He can cut across the grain and take advantage of defenders flowing in the opposite direction. And, you know, he's got soft hands as a receiver and and he turns up quickly to attack space and sets up yards after the catch, even before the ball gets there. I still think, you know, we talk about, you know, dynamic pass catching backs in this class. I, I think Gibbs is light years ahead of him. I think there's a liability in pass protection. He cost his team in a lot of situations like sack strip fumbles and uh, pressures and just, you know, on third down, just, you know, really cost his team, you know, as a blocker out there, which look, that's something that almost every running back coming out of college, you know, needs to develop and learn and get better at, you know, I'm sure like we, we say that every year, but even just, I thought his route running out there was a little imprecise. And, you know, I thought it was, you know, sort of, there was no deception or nuance in the routes that he ran. And so I think I need to, you know, he's, he can do it. Right. I think he's, you know, relying on his God given talent. And I think if he applies himself, he studies, he learns the position better. I think we can talk about the upside that you have listed here as the number one overall running back in the league, but I don't think we're there yet. And I think we're talking about a raw talent who has the tools to develop into that and, and has the highest ceiling that we can imagine. But I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of development and, and this is, that's room for growth, right? Like Bijan's already amazing. This is just room for growth for him to be an even better player. Yeah. Listen, I think the, the key word with, with Bijan is refinement and growth, right? Or development. But what, those are the words, right? That, and when I was sitting there listening to you talk about B. John Robinson, it does sound eerily similar to what the criticisms were out there for Saquon Barkley. At minus the fact, I, I don't think there were many questions about Saquon Barkley's route running or receiving capabilities. I think there's a little bit more uncertainty there with B. John that wasn't there with Saquon, right? But if you really stop and think about it, and I don't think, I think the days of a guy going two in the draft are gone. So I think when we're talking about B. John ceiling, it's probably more in like at best case 10 to 20, but probably still 20 to 32. I think the days of top 10 are probably out the window. But everything you said, I think, is fair arguments, right? And it wasn't like people weren't saying this. Matt Waldman was saying it about Saquon. He had Nick Chubb hired at him. Other people were saying it, right? The decisiveness, the decision-making, the, the the refinement was needed. Saquon could, couldn't pass protect in college, hasn't been able to pass protect in the NFL, right? Uh, refinement with the vision, trying to cut things outside and not just, you know, play up to his size at times and, and try to make the home run play to only live on that athleticism where Saquon was allowed to get away with it in high school and college. B. John has been probably allowed to get away with it in high school and college. Right. So it's one of those things. And, and what's weird is Saquon played at Penn state. B. John played at, 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 at playing at Texas. They're, they're good programs, but they're not great programs, right? They're not elite programs. They're not Alabama, like where you're going to have everything perfect. So it's almost a little, it's a little bit disappointing that there hasn't been some refinement because it's not like he's in this most pristine 
situation, just like Penn State was, right? They were a good team. They weren't they weren't elite. I know he care. I know they got to the Rose Bowl or whatever when Saquon was there. But but you'd like to see some of these areas. Right now, this is his third year. Now we had the COVID short in the year. We had last year was a little bit weird. This is the year now where you'd like to see some of those things that you talked about kind of be corrected be less of a question, right? Because we know, I mean, we I don't even have to list it, right? Great size and frame, very good to great athleticism, speed, burst, acceleration, explosiveness, lateral quickness, change of direction, contact balance, strength. We know he has all that, right? He, he looks like he was made in a lab, just like Saquon. But that doesn't mean great running back yet. And I think that's kind of the same thing, right? Where we are, even in the NFL, right? Saquon had that great first year or two, and we haven't really seen it since. We'll, we'll see. Well, I think, John. The, yeah, yeah, I think with the comp with Saquon, I, I, I mean, I, I get why that's there, but I think even, and again, we're talking Saquon as a prospect versus Bijan, you know, going into, you know, his draft eligible year, but, you know, and, and, and this is, I, I don't remember Saquon enough to know if early Saquon did a lot of what Bijan's doing now versus, you know, prospect Saquon going into the league, you know, improving on this. And, and so maybe that's the case, but, you know, I remember Saquon, you know, being able to conserve his momentum better, just keep attacking, you know, like he could change direction, but he wasn't stopping to do it. Right. And Bijan Robinson is so good at jump cutting and juking defenders out that that's what he does. But, you know, when I talk about a guy like, you know, Evans, who has that change of direction, conservation of momentum, who doesn't stop and give the defense a chance to counter and react, you know, when you're stopping, that's, you know, you're giving the defense a chance yeah. to redirect around that. And so, you know, and that's what when you see Bijan go uh, against the grain, I mean, that's what you see the advantage that he brings because that's what the defenders have to do. They have to stop and change direction. And he's he's behind like he's behind them in a heartbeat. And so but that's kind of what he's doing when he stops and changes direction as the attacker. Right. And that the defense can flow in through to him and catch up with them. And that's where you know, his inside running. And so anyways, my, I diverge, but that was one thing I saw from Saquon as a prospect that I think if, if that was the only thing Bijan cleaned up, I think we could, I could talk to about him as, you know, a raw high upside prospect like Saquon, but I, I, I want to see that at the bare minimum. I want to see that. Yeah. And listen, it's, it's going to be a big year for Texas football. Like, you know, like they, they, they have more, a better supporting cast this year than we've seen in quite some time. Like now's the time where we got to see him make like a Heisman campaign, right? You know, it, it, we'll, we'll see, right? The statue, everything should kind of fall in place if he's what we think his ceiling could be. But now the question is, is can he reach that? Or does the door open for the Zach Evans of the world, the Tank Bigsby's of the world, the Jameer Gibbs of the world? And does this become more of like, the year where we had Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, and somebody else, like all kind of go within like 15, 20 picks of each other. Does does B. John separate from the pack, or do we see like this tight, tight group where the door is open for these other guys to really cut the gap between these guys and we see all these guys go off the first 20 picks or first 10, 15 picks of round two. And, and B John doesn't go the way of the rare RB round one running back anymore. I think that's kind of 
open for discussion now and, and can he clean up some of those things or refine or develop or grow in some of those things that we're talking about? I think it'll be a fun thing because I think from we're going to see every play would be John Robinson, right? Access is not going to be something that we're going to struggle to get for B. John Robinson, right? The people that cut up the stuff and do that, B. John Robinson is going to have his full game cut up almost every week for, for us to have access to it. So we will be able to really dig deep in some of the things you're talking about and see if there's areas that he's showing that growth and development that, that, that we ideally would want to see. So let's, let's take this to the next guy. Cause we could do a whole show about Bijan and we're going a little <laughs> long here, but we got a couple guys left. We want to hit on uh, to round this out. Chris Rodriguez out of Kentucky, uh, junior six feet, 229 pounds. A lot of talk that he was going to come out last year. He stays back. Um, uh, and Chris Wright, uh, great size and frame, very good play strength, power, toughness, physicality, really good contact balance, finishing ability to run through, absorb contact, break tackles, pick up additional yards, good footwork with above average vision and patience. Those athleticism is just average. Same thing with his long speed, same thing with a short area burst. Uh, to me, I think he's very similar to Zach. Uh, Charbonnet, who we talked about before. Mm -hmm. There are things I like about his game, but then there are things that, you know, I'm a little bit questionable on where I should put him. I actually have him one spot ahead of Zach Charbonnet on my rankings. Do you see them as similar players? Do you have a clear preference right now between the two? My preference is Rodriguez. So okay. this was this was one of those guys that I didn't have and I got to today. And I'm so glad I did because, you know, there's elements that I, I kind of knocked Bijan for that, you know, I really saw out of Rodriguez that was, you know, phenomenal. I mean, so, uh, you know, I think you hear, uh, you know, Sean Miska coined it or, and Matt Waldman uses the, the term curvilinear runner. And I think he's a curvilinear runner. Um you know, so when you say change of direction, like, yeah, you don't see him making cuts very often, but I've seen him plant a foot and get north south in one step, like to hit a hole. I, I mean, so I don't think that's something that I need to see from him because, uh, you know, I he doesn't slow down. He gets through these creases. He plays as the aggressor, including in pass protection. You know, we talked about how that's something that a lot of players need to develop. You know, he's already an aggressor in pass protection. Um, he pulls through D-line wraps um, and has a strong leg drive. And he goes into to contact with good pad level and secure of the football. So I think, you know, from that aspect, I, you know, I love how he gets north-south. He gets north-south as good as anybody in this class. Um, and, and that you know, with the way his running style goes, like that will play in the NFL in my mind where I do think he's just capped is. So I'm talking about all these dynamic movement skills and what kind of baffles me is that when he gets to the second level, he just has not shown the ability to make these defenders miss. So he can't capitalize on breaking in, you know, into the open field and he, he kind of gears down when he, he gets up to, you know, safeties and, you know, and trying to, you know, make the guy miss. And so he's not a home run threat. Like he, he hasn't been able to, to do that. Um, otherwise, you know, love so much, so many aspects of his game. Like I, I'd like him over Charbonnet for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's nice to hear that. I don't think a lot of people 
have that. I think a lot of people think Charbonnet is a guy who's kind of locked and loaded. My take is is also always this, and I feel like this has came up at times. There was no reason. Listen, God bless all these kids if they want to, if they're going back to school to get their college degree. And if that's the reason, more power to them. I think a lot of these people make these decisions, especially the running backs, juniors coming off a really good year. To me, that tells me whoever was gathering intel for him, mm-hmm. maybe it was the draft advisory board or his agent or somebody or potential agent or whatever the case may be. I don't know all the rules now and, and what it is. To me, Charbonnet doesn't go back to school if he thinks he's going to be around three or around four pick, especially last year's draft class, right? Like there were people, I think a lot of people in the draft Twitter community would have had Zach Charbonnet right there where they had Isaiah Spiller. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he would have been in the top five, not for me, yeah. but I think a lot of people would have had him there. It, and I think he would have came out if the getting was going to be good. He's never going to be a round one or round two guy. I just don't think he profiles that way in terms of what he doesn't have just naturally. Neither, neither was Isaiah Spiller, right? So I think the best case for Zach Charbonnet is round three. I think it's more practical day three. But like I think I think the intel that he got back from NFL teams was you're not guaranteed to be a round three guy. You're you're somewhere on day three. So he went back, and I think people maybe are valuing him a little bit higher. I think the NFL might be a little bit more concerned with some things. And it could be the same concerns they might have about a guy like Chris Rodriguez, too, right? You know, because he's another guy who, you know, I thought, you know, last year was gonna come out. Uh, and I think I have on the notebook, let me just fix it right here. He's a senior. I forgot to change that because I had him scattered from last year as well. He's another guy, right? He rushed for 1,400 yards last year. It wasn't a great running back draft, right? If you knew you were going to be around three guy, you probably go. So I think there's some question marks that the NFL probably has about him too. But I do like I do like some of his natural run instincts. I like I, I like his his game a little bit more than Charbonnet. It'll be interesting to kind of see if that shifts at all uh, in this upcoming year. Well, and one last uh, note yeah. on Rodriguez, like, you know, I didn't have his his size when I was looking at him as a runner. He seems, you know, at least for the first step, the first burst, quicker than six foot 230. Like, yes. So, you know, I think, you know, with the size and his burst, you know, I think he can play. Again, it's just you're not going to get, you know, second level elusiveness and home run threat. So let me take here on to, to Tavian Thomas. You know, out of Utah, a senior, he's six two. Talk about size, two forty one. Uh, why don't you walk us through Tavian Thomas? Because this is this is one guy that I didn't get to. Yeah, he's another guy. I think you're going to hear a lot of talk about him, similar to Cameron Peoples. I think these are going to be guys that you're going to see these senior backs. I like to get to these senior backs, even because I kind of know I think where they're going. Right, these guys are going to be at either the East West Shrine Bowl, the Senior Bowl. I like to start getting my eyes on them. I don't think these are these are not guys who are going to be top ten, top twelve running backs in this draft class. They're just not. Uh, but what he has, obviously, the great size and frame. That's a foregone conclusion. Uh, athleticism and long speed are, I would say they're about average for a guy who's 6'2", 241. I think that's okay. Uh, above average to good short area bursts. I do think he's got a little bit of, of, of short area bursts to his game, especially, you know, if the, if the hole is open there, uh, I think he's got some footwork and agility for a guy his size. You, you don't usually see a guy 6'2", 241 have some agility to his game, but I thought he had some agility to his game. I thought he played a little bit smaller than a 241 guy. Like to me, I, I think he, I think he his ability to to move in short areas 
I might think it's even at 241. I think I, I didn't see as much like cement, like stuck in cement at times. Like I thought of Charbonnet. So I, I do think, while I think Charbonnet's total package is better than a guy like Tavian Thomas, I, I do think for a guy at 241, he does have some surprising footwork and with some agility for, for a man that big. Obviously, he lives up to the 241 in terms of play strength, physicality, toughness. He can break tackles. He can pick up extra yards, uh, all that stuff. I think he's a depth running back. He's got some upside maybe to be part of a lesser part of a committee, do some short yardage goal line stuff. I think he's a guy we're talking, you know, somewhere, somewhere in that, you know, late day free, mid day free to late day free type guys. But I do think he's a guy you're going to see put up a good year this year. He had 1,100 yards last year. I'd expect a similar type, you know, really productive year for Utah. And my guess is he's ticketed towards one of those, you know, major all-star games as a senior running back. Uh, he's a guy that, that for the seniors, he should be on people's radars, even though when you take into all the account, the, the, the star-studded underclassmen group, he, he's going to fall pretty far down, I think, most people's ranks. So let's – two guys left, much bigger names – let me transition to Sean Tucker out of Syracuse, the redshirt sophomore. He's 5'10", he's 210 pounds. To me, when I watch this guy, I can't get out of that. To me, he reminds me of a of a faster slash more explosive Maurice Jones-Drew. I've, I've, I've heard some people throw out there Jonathan Taylor. I don't see Jonathan Taylor. I understand why. Nah. But but Jonathan Taylor was 225 with that rare explosion and, and long speed. I, I'm not there with Tucker. He's... 15 pounds less. He, to me, I think Maurice Jones drew when I watched this guy play. He's only got average size, but he's got a good frame. Very good to great athleticism for a guy 5'10", 210. He's got burst. He's got acceleration. He's got explosiveness and long speed. He's got footwork. I, I thought I saw good vision and patience. The guy who can, with ability to one cut. Very good contact balance for a smaller running back. Runs with a really good pad level. I see power, leg drive, play strength, toughness. I really like Sean Tucker's game. To me, he's got some pass catching skills. I'd probably put that as average to above average right now, but that but that's fine. Uh, to me, I think he's got starting running back traits or mm-hmm. committee running back traits. I think he's a guy you're going to see in a lot of top five, six, mm-hmm. sevens. I think that's where, where Sean Tucker's kind of translated. I don't think he's got the ceiling – of a guy like Evans or Bigsby. I think he might be a little bit more refined than those guys, but I don't think he's got the ceiling of those guys who I think could eventually push towards Bijan if they put everything together in terms of draft capital, in terms of where you're going to see them. But I think Tucker's a guy who's going to have a lot of fans uh, in the draft community. And I think he's a guy you're going to see somewhere on day two next year for sure. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I, there is one path for me to see that ceiling because, you know, he's got the long speed and he's got, you know, the, he's got the movement skills, I think, you know, but to potentially reach a level of, you know, I think, I think if you were to, well, we'll get to it maybe, uh, or maybe we'll get to it in another episode, but rank out um, the running backs and he's kind of flirting there at the back end of, of that tier one, I think. So at least for where most people have them ranked, especially in, in Debbie rankings, you know, my one thing with, with Tucker is I, I think I see what you talk about is this vision, elusiveness, elusiveness. I think he can find really good solutions, um, you know, to the problems on, on the field that he faces as a running back, he gets upfield quick with good burst and speed to attack the defense. My one thing with him, and, and this is what I want to see, you know, for him to be able to reach 
you know, the heights that we could see from an Evans or a, or a Gibbs or, or even a Bijan, right? He's right now he's processing one level at a time. So he, like he, he has great solutions to the problems one level at a time. And so sometimes he's able to string that, you know, to another solution at the second level, you know, and hit that home run. But, you know, what we see with some of those elite backs is being able to set up second level defenders within their first level, you know, problem solve. And so, so that was the one thing I took away and Hey, look, that's, I mean, we're talking about scouting. That's gotta be a little bit subjective, I think. Um, So I, you know, it'll be really interesting when we actually dig in, you know, dig in maybe even after the fact, after another season of development, again, I still think the tools are there to integrate that be, you know, beyond that. I don't know if that's a, you know, I don't know if that's within his mental game capacity or not. Um, I'd like to think it is as you get experience. Um, But if I start seeing that, I, I think he deserves to be, you know, named with, with the Zach Evans kind of players in, in this class. Yeah, listen, I think I think he's going to have another monster year, right? And I think even as a redshirt sophomore, he's he's going to get out of there, um, you know, and, and take his talents to the NFL. Um, and there's a lot to like about his game. And, and right now, he was another guy that, like, besides getting the opportunity to see some more work and pass protection, there wasn't one gl- – thing that I that I thought stood out as he didn't show this at all like there's a there's a glaring something missing like even what you talked about and I agree with you like I don't even I I don't even know like how to quantify that like like right like I think he has good vision I that what you're talking about the like the multi-level thinking like is probably a right word that sums that up but like e- even that like like you said a little bit subjective there there was nothing that like I could see that I was like oh like he can't do this yet or he can't do that so I-, I think the ceiling is high there and the floor is pretty high like I think he's a guy that I don't see a ton of wiggle room I think he's gonna safely be in most people's I'll say top sevens just to kind of give yeah. it a little bit of wiggle room. But I think he's a guy who's going to be somewhere in most people's right now. I think for sure he's in most people's top sevens. I'd be surprised if he doesn't stay there when, when push comes to shove. So last, last guy tonight, number 20. We've done 20 of these. If you're still listening, thank you for, for hanging in there. Uh, a lot of really great guys that we talked about tonight. But last guy, uh, Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State, the junior, five foot six. 176 pounds so saying he's undersized is yes he's extremely undersized but we're talking about a guy who I think his skill set I know it's so easy to say but to me his skill set is so reminiscent of of a guy like Darren Sproul especially at that size and that frame but very good athleticism he's got long speed acceleration burst and explosiveness I'd like it, I think the footwork is on the great to elite level. Mm-hmm. I truly think that in terms of his ability to change direction, stop start yeah. ability, the agility, the elusiveness, the cutting ability to make people miss, the vision, the patience, very good to great receiving skills. He's a guy who is going to be criticized tremendously as being super undersized, but I think a team's going to fall in love with what he can bring to the table, not focus so much about what he can't bring yeah. to the table. I think he'll be a guy who probably goes in round three. Maybe he sneaks to round four, but I, my guess is the team wants the offensive playmaking ability, pulls the trigger in round three and says, we'll figure out how to use him best. Uh, I, I think he's a really fun player to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, what, 
your your sheet here really you know says it best all of these strengths the developmental areas and concerns i don't think we're going to see a lot of developmental you no. know, development in there you know he's not going to come into power he's not going to come into play strength his pass protection i know he tries hard but he just got completely obliterated yeah so but you're not going to use him as a pass protector, you're going to use him as a pass catching weapon and a dynamic open field threat. And, and that's what we're, we're getting with, with Deuce Vaughn is, you know, I know you love Achane, but I, I, I kind of think right now Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn is going to be a better scat back weapon for, for an NFL team, at least right now. Um, he's undersized, but he's got blazing speed. And when you talk about his footwork and elusivity, he's darting through traffic right so it's not just in open field but he's doing this amongst bodies right big bodies and he's finding these little cracks and he's weaving his way through there and it yeah i mean it's it it, it's like darren sproles but i I mean it's so i i have a hard time comping anybody to somebody who is you know to like a great like that it's just that's so hard to do um you know we might think a little bit more like Tariq cohen but um, but I think he's the size is a concern. It's a concern for Achani too. But I, you know, and again, I just that's really small for the NFL. Um, but I think he can get lost. You know, he can get lost. You know, within the bodies, and he knows how to run, run with, with, uh, you know, within tight spaces. Um, so you can't you can't do it a lot. Workload concerns, but. Um, I think he's got a pretty dynamic skill set. And, you know, for me right now, I like him a little bit more than Devin Achani. And I know that's almost blasphemy for you to, you know, when I say that to you, because I know Achani is somebody you absolutely love. Yeah, but listen, I get it. To me, my my infatuation with Achani is that I think this year we're going to see him get the opportunity to really carry a much heavier workload. Like even a guy like Tyler Bathey, right? Two years ago, last summer, there were questions to Mark about how much he could handle. And then last year he went out and and rushed for 1400 yards. I think it was, and he handled, I think he's going to be one of the focal points. I think we're going to see a monster statistical year. Now, does that change the the narrative a little bit? Maybe. Uh, Can he add five, 10 pounds of muscle? Mm -hmm. Maybe like to me, what I see from him is is that's that that game breaking speed from A Chain remind like I said earlier reminded me a lot of Chris Johnson and I think that one special trait uh, which I know doesn't isn't the be end end all right and being a running back but I I see enough that it's not just pure speed so that's where I have him really high in the rankings but I I think. Uh, a guy like Deuce Vaughn is so intriguing. Like, I think, you know, like I'm really intrigued with this and I know we're going long, so I'm just going to, without any, uh, you know, any context to it, we'll get to more context in, in future episodes. Uh, I promise. But like my ranking just for people, I'll just, I'm not going to go through all 20, but I'll, I'll go for my top 10 just so, so people kind of see where I'm at. I have B. John Robinson one. I have Devin A. Chain two. I have Jameer Gibbs three. I have Tank Biggs before. I have Sean Tecker five. I have Zach Evans, six, Deuce Vaughn, seven, Blake Corm eight. And then I have those two guys I talked about earlier, right? The the the, the, the lower level schools, Rashina Ali from Marshall, nine, and the Dwayne McBride from UAB, 10, before we start getting into those senior guys, the Grays, the Dyes, 
the Rashkan Johnsons, the Chris Rodriguez, Charbonnets, those guys, uh, Kenny McIntosh, those are kind of make up my next six there in, the, in not the order I read them in, but those kind of fall in there. But I really do think those first seven guys, and even if you throw Corm into the mix, those eight guys, I think they're all top 100 players. Like I think they're yeah. all top 100 players, and that I don't think all eight are going to go in the top 100. Who knows if all eight even come out? But the fact that I even think right now there's eight worthy talents to go in the top 100 at the running back position it is crazy. And they have, and guys who I think could move the most. Right? We talked about that before. I think Bigsby and Zach Evans could catapult themselves right into a one A one B one C with Jameer Gibbs also, but maybe the, the the frame could hold people back there a little bit. But if they think he's Austin Eckler or Alvin Kamara, like we do, then maybe it shouldn't. But I think sometimes in the whole scouting, you know, podium and the, the scouting world, they want that prototype, right? And Bigsby and, and Evans are that prototypes. So I do think Zach Evans can make a big jump. I think Tank can make a jump up. Uh, those are the guys who I think could catapult themselves. And as much as I like A-Chain, I could easily see him falling all the way down to five or six for me if some of these guys show this more complete year and maybe A-Chain doesn't show. And then he, to me, if he, if he just kind of stagnates as a specialist, then I should probably have him right next to Deuce Vaughn, right? And then maybe they're maybe they are eventually six seven for me, you know, if if this kind of stays somewhat close to these rankings, obviously probably not gonna happen, but I could easily see it being adjusted where if he doesn't take that next step, A chain and and, and uh Deuce are very close to each other and those other guys kind of catapult themselves towards the top of the rankings near B John. So a lot more time for that. Uh I know you haven't had a chance to watch everybody, so we will we will circle back, Jeff, and get your some rankings uh, from you when you have a little bit more time to process and digest it. Any final parting shots here? I know we went really long here, but guys, I'll put timestamps uh, <laughs> in the podcast so you can find specific players that we talked about. Ideally, I'd like to try to break this down to a bunch of videos for YouTube yeah. where I just cut the by player so we can you can just get our takes on individual guys as well. So we'll try to find some ways to break this up uh, also for you. So if there's certain guys you want to hear, you don't have to kind of cycle through, you know, a close to two hour podcast uh, to, to get to them. Jeff, any final thoughts? Well, they all left when I, I, you know, criticized Bijan too hard and nobody got to hear us talk about, <laughs> you know, Deuce Vaughn. But, um, you know, I'd just say like, you know, I think your ranking of a, a, a chain there, you know, is, has to, he has to add, you know, 10 pounds to his frame at least for that. Um I know you're plugged in with him. That's the other thing I wanted to mention is I know you're plugged in with him and, and, and to the NFL, like you do that, that draft notebook and, and you nail it every year. So, um, so, you know, and the word that you're hearing is that he's highly regarded by NFL teams. So, so maybe we will see that, but um, for me, you know, it's, it's very clearly, you know, kind of, I have to put Bijan up there because of the, the ceiling, but it, it, you know, it's really like Gibbs and Bijan there with, with Zach Evans, um, knocking on the door, um, and I'm I'm forgetting the other name there. I I think Sean Tucker Parker. for me is well. No, I, uh, somebody else. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, who's missing the other guy. Um, <laughs> but I don't have him listed in front of me here. But um, but I, you know I think Tucker's kind of sitting there, you know, a little bit behind those, um, the top four guys for me. Um, and so we'll see. So, you know, we'll see. Like he said we're going to shake things up a lot 
in the college season. And so that's why I'm not too afraid to, uh, to, to kind of sit, you know, a little bit different from you have a few bold takes here. I don't see any way that, you know, Bijan's coming off the top spot, but I do see, you know, a path to, uh, you know, players closing the gap in what the perceived value is right now. Yeah. Listen, I think it's gonna be a fun class. I can't remember. Maybe, maybe the, the year that had McCaffrey and I think that had Mixon and maybe that year was the last year that I, I remember being as excited for a running back class. But I think this one, this one might take the reins as in terms of the quality. I mean, we just, I, I think the depth is really, like I said, the fact that I see eight guys already is worthy of top 100 talents. And then that's not even talking about any of the seniors. That's not talking about the, the two, you know, guys from UAB and, Marshall, who I think are very talented. I think it's a really strong class. It's the best we've had, I think, in a while. And I'm excited to kind of see how it unfolds because I do think there's a lot that we could still gather from this year, right? We need more refinement from even Bijan, but we need more, just more volume from Evans to get a full read on him. We need Bigsby to get back to maybe being as special as what we thought he was in that first year. Yeah, he was the other guy who was on the top four right there for me. Yeah, Ken. Can we can we can A Chain take that next step in terms of the volume that he carries yeah. and can he even handle it, right? If we if we realize that they can't even give him fifteen touches a week in college, well that probably speaks volumes that he can't do that at the NFL level, right? So like there there's there's a lot of things that I think we could see this year to kind of help us crystallize this picture a little bit. I think of the top guys, I think Tucker and Vaughn are kind of guys that I think they are who they are right now. I think, I think, I think, I don't think Vaughn, like you said, he can't yeah. fix any of those concerns. I think, I, I don't think there's a lot of concerns on Tucker right now. So like, there's a couple things that maybe could catapult him a little bit, but I don't think he can dramatically change uh, his perception. But I think Evans and Bigsby can rise. I think a chain for me can come down, maybe for some other people come up, right. Depending on how people see him and, and what he can do. And then B John just kind of rounding out, you know, some edges He's ahead refining some yet. Yeah. yeah. And it'll be fun to kind of really check in on these guys uh pretty regularly. Cause I feel like last year I talked about Breach Hall a lot and and that was kind of like until Kenneth Walker really started to become relevant. Yeah. It was a really boring class to kind of foreshadow last year during the season because there was a little Isaiah Spiller hype. But I think I think that was more draft Twitter driven than NFL people driven. Mm-hmm. And as we sort out down the line, I think this year it's going to be heavy draft Twitter and NFL are going to be very much in unison and liking this running back class. And it, it's going to be fun to kind of check in on these guys on a weekly uh, basis. So there it is, guys. 20 running backs, detailed snapshots of where they're at, who they are, what their game is like to kind of get you ready for next year's running back class, get you ready for this college football season. So on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.